Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. So last Sunday, if you haven't weren't with us, we're in this Greater Love series. Last Sunday, we talked about how love has no exclusions, that no matter what, God simply just loves you. We just sang about it, like this crazy, reckless love. And we shared about the story of the Good Samaritan who broke social, racial, cultural. He broke all these barriers when Jesus tells this story of just loving and caring for someone, no matter the situation. And that story, honestly, is, is it's hard in our culture to go beyond our own issues, our own prejudices, our own hatred to love no matter what. And so our passage today shifts into action. What does it mean to love? What does it mean to have a life that's sacrificial, to care for each other, and how do we know for actually doing it? And we have a, a passage today we're going to look at. So if you want to grab your Bibles, which are underneath chairs, you can feel free to use that Bible or your Bible app. If you use that on your iPads or iPhones, um, if you have an Android, I don't know if it even works, so only iApple stuff works. But uh, take a look at this verse. We're in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. And we're going to define and work through this idea of what love looks like for us going out. It says this, first, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be hopeful, joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. We've got a checklist here for you this morning. And in this checklist, it goes through this idea of when we are engaged in these type of things, Love is going to come out of us. But we have to define, we have to work through what this passage is saying. So what does this mean? What is sincerity? I mean, do we really know and engage what sincerity is? And our greeting card industry has done a fantastic job of teaching us sincerity. I mean, we can go to any Hallmark, American greeting, you just grab a card, you can find some really, really, really sincere, loving, kind ways to express what you really feel for someone. And I think there's another level, which is e-cards. So e-cards, if you're not avail- are aware, like you can send cards just electronically now, if you didn't know that, saves you the $7 on that card that you were going to buy anyways, and these are totally free. And so I looked up like some cards, I want to really express how I feel about someone, um, here's a couple that I found I thought you guys might like. Check this out. Our first card here says, I'm so glad the vacation didn't demolish our relationship. <laughs> that is something I think anyone who's done a family vacation can relate to. This next card here is a great one. It says, I hope our relationship lasts long enough for us to hate the things we initially loved each other for. <laughs> if you've been married For a time, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. All those little nuances and things you used to love now makes you want to get rid of that person. So this is sincere love. Let's check this one out here. Uh, This one, you would be my first choice if there were no other choices. (laughs) All of you who are entering into this beautiful time that we call dating and relationships, you can use that. I'll email that one to you. It's a great one. And finally, we have one that really brings it all home for us. 
Love is feeling like I could clean up after you forever. (laughs) Every parent is smiling and saying, that's how I show love every single day with my kiddos. So these cards aren't sincere, obviously, and this is not a true way to express love. But what is sincerity? Back in Rome, in ancient Rome, sculpting was a very, very popular profession. Sculptures were everywhere in ancient Rome. And each house would have either sculptures of of different things, animals, but they had gods everywhere. And they had sculptors who would sculpt all the time. But like any artist, they don't exactly do it perfect every time. They would make mistakes. And so they would be in the marketplace, and they would sell the market. And with the flooding of how many people were doing it, they had this less than really great product that would come out. And they would fill the gaps with wax. So they would use wax to fill in their imperfections of the sculpture that they did. And this became this forgery, if you will. And people wouldn't notice it in the marketplace. But then when they get home, they'd say, well, this is, this is trash. This is why I was on sale for $1.99, right? So it, it really wasn't authentic and real. So then the sculptors who were the, the top tier started to sign each of their sculptures with sin a care a It means without wax. Sin a care a sin seer. That's where we get the word from. It's authentic. It's from my hand. It is without wax. So our sincerity, the word that we use, comes sincerely comes close to that. And so we start writing letters. At the end of our letters, we say sincerely fill in your name. And the reason why we say that, she's saying this is authentic from my hand. I wrote this. You wrote this without wax. But in our case, our language, we use it to say this is authentic. So if sincerity is authentic, what is love? And if you're just joining us, we've been exploring this for quite some time now. We are on week seven. We have one more week of this series until we break into our Christmas series in December. And right now, we are exploring what is love. So I want to do a little bit of a recap if you haven't been here for a while. If we know that sincerity is authentic, love is found in 1 John 3.16. It says this, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. Jesus willingly gave his life up, we found. He willingly put his life on the line. He went to the cross for all of us. And our lives are supposed to be the same way. We live a life of sacrifice. And we explored the odds of you being called to, be, to sacrifice your life are smaller compared to the fact you'll be asked to, to sacrifice your comfort, your resources, things that you have. You give yourself up, your time. So we say we give ourselves away for everybody. We, that is love, according to scriptures. And then love is sacrifice, And the sacrifice is unrelenting, it's constantly giving, there's a determination to it and a commitment and a decision. Love is not a feeling. Those squishy feelings that we have are hormones. Love, as we see scripturally, the true definition of love is sacrifice. It is me giving myself up for somebody else. So if you take those two together, we look back at nine. Sincerity is authentic, love is sacrifice. Sincere love is authentic sacrifice. 1 John 3, 8, 18 says this, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but in actions and in truth. So we just don't talk about it. We sacrifice and we do it. So when we put these two words together, we have our without wax. We have our authentic, real, this is from me, 
sacrifice all the time, give, put my life on the line. That's the type of love we've been exploring in the Greater Love series. And so the author of the book, Paul, writes and says, this is what I want you to do. Love must be sincere. Your love and sacrifice and care for everybody has to be real because everyone in the world can see through it. Think of all the phonies in your life that you've been around. Big smiles, yuck, 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 I love you, until things get hard and then they disappear. Or that time when you said you sincerely had a great friend and you guys had conflict, and that conflict drove you apart. And in that conflict, you did not look to resolve that. That friend said, I'm done with you. I no longer want to talk to you. I do not love you. So you have to ask the question, is that really love? Because love is sacrifice. And sincere love is an authentic, real love that comes from my hand, from my heart, to sacrifice for all of you. If we don't, everybody can tell. So if you're fake, people can tell, right? We can all tell a fake. We can tell when you're filling the gaps with wax. And the world is looking, dying for this type of love that is authentic. It changes the world. And we've been talking about what's been happening in the media during this series. Kanye West gives his life to God and now is on a rampage out there sharing the gospel to everybody. We see a young man whose brother is shot embrace the cop who shot his brother and say, I forgive you. I want you to know who Jesus Christ is. These are these examples of love and the world is eating up because you just don't see sincere love anymore. It's fake, it's plastic, it's Instagram. On Instagram, I can say anything I want about loving my family, and at home, you won't know the truth. On Facebook, I can post a life that doesn't really exist, full of wax, filling all the holes, but then in the real life, the real stuff, I start to fall apart. You'll know if I really love you when things get hard. And you know, if you love somebody, how you react when things get hard. And so sincere love is where we begin this entire thing about what does it mean for us to live a life that is authentic. And I'm going to work through this list that's given in this passage one by one. So if you had your Bible, your app open, feel free to keep following along. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. And we're going to break down each of these elements that is said here. After love must be sincere, he says, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Love hates evil, love clings to good. Love is not real. If it, it, is, if it fails to disintegrate, disintegrate, I can say the word discriminate. That's the word I'm looking for. Disintegrate, right? Discriminate between evil and good. If you can't tell the difference between what is good and what is evil, it's not love. And the weird thing about evil is that it works its way inside of love and it starts to twist it. And one of the, I think, the biggest lies that we think about as humans is that when we think of evil, we think of it as this large ostrosity, which it is. But have you ever thought of evil's just a slight, small, micro-twist on what is good? Small. Maybe it's not as large and robust as what we think. It could be a small twist, just a little bit, that isn't true north, but it goes a little bit, a few degrees to the left or to the right. And that twist now changes what is good into something that is not good. For example, we think of Christmas time coming up. We're excited about that, right? And, and during this time, one of the ways that we express love is through the giving and receiving of gifts, right? We give gifts. It's a way that we appreciate each other. In my house growing up, it's the time I got brand new underwear, right? So we give gifts as an expression of love. And gifts are a wonderful thing. 
But what if I'm using gifts in my life to manipulate you? I'm giving you things so that you're tied into me and that you need me. And then when I say, hey, I gave you all this stuff, you owe me? All of a sudden, that gift is a twist. And that now becomes abuse. By one small thing, I'm doing it with the wrong intentions, the, the wrong motives. And so if we can't tell the difference between what is love and good and what is evil, we're going to miss what it really is. Back years ago, I was given tickets to Lambeau uh, to go see the Packers play the Vikings in a playoff game. Free tickets, amazing tickets. And, and you don't know my wife that well yet. You'll get to know her. I love her. She's lovely. She's wonderful. She's a Vikings fan. I know, right? And, and as a Vikings fan, she's not like a fan who watches the, the game on TV and like talks. I mean, she is a diehard fan. She, when you say fan, the word is fanatic. Fanatic. She's a fanatic. And I don't care how much you love whatever team, she loves the Vikings more. It's, it is fanatical. And I received tickets to go to this playoff game. So I'm like, Chris, let's go. We got two tickets. It'll be awesome. Lambeau Field. You know, your Vikings are playing the Vikings. We can get all dressed up. It'll be a great time. And she said, I would rather die than step foot into that terrible garbage football field. And I'm like, okay, okay, I get it. But I'm, I'm trying to like reason here now, right? I'm reasoning like, no, no, no. D don't you understand? Like, these are free tickets. It's my team versus your team. You know, it, it's going to be fun and there'll be Viking fans. She's like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm not stepping anywhere near that garbage of a football field. She hates the Packers so much that she gave up tickets. I went with my friend. We had a great time. That's another story. But, <laughs> and, well, the Packers won. That was the big thing here, and, and it would have been a bad ride home. But when we start to understand sin and we start to have passion for love and what is good, sin becomes detestable to us. The things that are evil is like her walking into Lambeau Field. She would rather die than step foot there. It's detestable. She hates the color green and gold together. And I'm not kidding you. Guys, you can talk to her after the service. This is a legit issue in our home. In our marriage, we need counseling. Any of you can help us. But this is true. She detests it this much. And what if we detested evil that much? Is I want nothing to do with it. I don't want to play with it. I don't want to be near it. I don't want to engage it. I want to say, if this is what is bad, I want to be over here. If this is what is wrong, I want to be on the opposite side. And love is saying that. Love hates evil that much. Because in real, authentic, sincere love, there is no darkness. There's light because God is light and he's defining love for us. So in the same way, our passion should be for what is good and detestable then for what is not. It keeps on. Love is devoted. How many would you say that you're devoted, someone is devoted to in your life? Someone is like this amazing friend, partner, spouse, neighbor, teacher, mentor, whatever. Like they're fully devoted, all in, that they would give their life for you. Fully devoted people in your life. If you have experienced someone like that, you're lucky. Because even in our best relationships, there's always something grinding against that devotion. And devotions get tested. 
In great relationships, devotion is tested. In bad relationships, devotion is always tested. Devotion is this idea that I would give everything I can all the time, and through the darkest of days, I'm by your side, and in the brightest of days, I'm by your side. And my devotion to you is that I'm pushing all of my chips in to be in your life with you to walk through this together. Devotion is a big word. And Paul's instruction of sincere love says that if it's not devoted, you're going to throw in the towel when things get hard. I mean, if you think about this, when people have hard times, we run. We hate conflict. Unless, if you're like, no, I love conflict, we can talk later. I do counseling for that too. But conflict is a necessity. Conflict is going to happen. You're not going to agree with people about things. And I, I've lived through, in my time of my time on earth, I've lived through two church splits. Both of them were stupid, just ridiculous reasons, terrible reasons. One was over something that the pastor had said, and they didn't agree with something, and this coup rose up underneath them. And like, we're not going to be a part of this, and da-da-da-da. And they went and started a church down the street. Another was they disagreed with what was happening with leadership and a leadership decision inside of the church. And the people then said, see, we don't trust you. You guys are all crooks and blah, 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 blah. And they went and started a church down the street. Now, if you've been involved with church splits, it's terrible. I've walked away from the church approximately five times in my life, said I'm done with church. I'm done with church. I really love Jesus, but I'm done with church. I'm part of that generation of people who is frustrated. And the reason why I'm frustrated and I'm going to speak of my own story. I don't know about yours. My story is that I had devoted my life to people and loved people and had given. I was really trying to do this. And when that person turns their back on you, not only that, but then talks about you, slanders you, and pretty much hates you for something you're not involved in, it really makes you question, is this real? Was that sincere love? And I want to just challenge you. In relationships that you've been in, in situations when you've walked away and not, there wasn't a healthy conflict because healthy conflict brings about actually deeper relationships. But you said, I, when the little thing goes wrong, I'm out. I'm out of here. I'm not going to do this anymore. That's not devotion. Devotion is through all of the dark times, all the hard times, I'm here to stick with you through what I can. Now, I'm not saying there aren't going to be changes in life. I'm not saying there shouldn't be a change in a church home. I'm not saying that you're in a relationship you should stay in because it's not good. I'm not saying any of those things. I want us to think of that extreme a little bit, and that extreme is this. Do you run as soon as things get hard? Do you just turn, like, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. Or do you stick your heels in because love requires devotion? We all want to be loved that way, don't we? That someone would stick with you through absolutely everything and keep loving you even though you know that you are not being the best human in the world right now, but they love you, care for you, walk with you. You get sick, they walk with you. You're healthy, they walk with you. You go through hard times, through great times. They're devoted to you. What a special relationship that is. And our challenge from Paul this morning is that love requires a devotion. He moves on. Love gives honor. There's a huge difference between respect and honor. And I want to make that clear. Respect is something that is earned. We, we time to put these two words together. Respect is something that is earned. Honor is something that is given. We respect people for what they do. 
We honor people because of their position. And we are called in Scripture to honor people. It says very clearly, kids, honor your mother and father and all will be well with you. Honor. It doesn't mean, kids, that you like the choices they're making. You may disagree with some things. That's respect. Honor is you are my father and mother. You've been put in this position by God. Therefore, your position, I will honor that position. And that honoring of position never goes away. So those of us who are adults who still have living parents, honor is something that's given to the very end. They are put in a position by God, and the honor is that place of giving them the place of authority, giving them a place not of respect, but of honor. And then those who have great parents or great people in position in their lives, respect then usually comes alongside of it. So when you honor and respect, that means I want to live my life like you. I want to have a life that's coincided with how you're living. You are making great choices. You are a good man. You are a good woman. I respect that. I want to be like you. And then you take the position of honor. Those two together are amazing. Let's talk about politics for a second because we all love to talk about it. You don't have to like the person who's in position above you, but we need to honor that position. You don't have to respect the people who are in those positions. We have to honor them because it calls to us in Scripture that all authority is placed there by God. And we're supposed to be praying for people. We're supposed to be praying for people in authority over us. Like, that's our job. Honor and respect are two different things. I honor the position that is there, though I may not respect the decisions or the person who is in that position, but the position deserves honor. So love, if I love humanity, I give honor. And then this is something I can bestow upon you simply because I want to. I can honor you. I can respect you. And part of this, when you are honored and respected in a place of position or authority, that is a wonderful place to be. And as a leader, it's encouraging because there's leaders who are making very difficult choices. You are leaders. Some of you are in here leading companies. You're leading your home. You're leading your neighborhood block party. You know, you're leading different things. And you know when conflict comes and people who you're trying to help aren't helping you along the way, it wears you down and then you lose tenacity. You lose your devotion. So these are all building upon each other. If we love, there's honor involved with it. Love also creates a spiritual passion. Love is in the middle of this list and this passion. And you know why it creates a spiritual passion? Because loving is exhausting. I mean, if you are loving this way and you are giving and you are sacrificing and you're pouring your life out for people, it's exhausting. It really, really is. When I think about my time um, as, as a youth pastor, I did this for 10 years. 10 years I was a youth pastor. I love those kids, man. I still love them. It's exhausting because teenagers, and I love every single one of you, take more than you give. They're like sponges, and they just want more. And so I would give and give and give. And then you get that one little kernel of encouragement, like some guy like says, hey, thanks for the pizza. You're like, thank you. Oh, gosh, this is so great. He cares, you know. I wasn't talking to you, Jason. I'm like, okay, fine, you know. But we give and we give and we give, and it's exhausting. But love 
has spiritual passion. It actually creates a spiritual passion that inside of us, I love you simply because Christ loves me that much. And I pour my heart and my life and my soul into you. I expect nothing in return. And as I'm doing and I'm loving, guess what happens? My passion for the Lord grows when I'm loving this way because I'm excited. I'm not doing it for the sake of you or for me. I'm doing it because I want to show you who God is. I want to transfer this love to you. And it gets me more on fire to love more. But it requires action. That inside of there, we have to love in a way that creates a passion inside of us. And that spiritual passion not only goes out, but then it goes up. So if you're meh about God, you're going to wear out a passion to love others. They say in ministry that we minister out of the overflow of what is happening in our lives. That if I am a dry cup and I come to Sunday and you need me and you're like, Jay, can I talk? I've got something. I... And I'm like, ugh, I don't have any time for you. I'm exhausted. It's going to break your heart. And so my job isn't to just write talks and put up curtains. My job is to be so filled with God and full of cup that it's overflowing that when you need love, I'm just dishing it out because I got extra to give. That's our job, not just as me, but for all of us, because love is going to require passion. It continues on. Love is joyful in hope. What keeps us going? Like, if we sincerely love, what is the hope that we have. And I want to be very clear. The only hope I have is Christ. All I have is Jesus. Because I've tried a lot of things in my life that I thought were going to be really good ideas. And they're fun for a while, but they, they, they don't stand up to the plate. I mean, I got married, and she's a Vikings fan. I mean, what hope do I have in that, right? <laughs> but hope is that when I have hold out hope to something, I'm joyful in the fact, I'm excited for the fact that there is something out there that is better for me. And that is Christ and Christ alone. And what you're going to hear in your time at Mosaic is we're going to keep talking about the beauty and always accepting and loving the gospel, the good news that Christ died for us. If you get sick of hearing it, you don't understand it. Because I needed a Savior this morning before I stepped on stage. I had a really bad attitude. And I need Jesus to save me once again. He already did. It's already forgiven. But my hope is that Christ has already forgiven me. He loves me. He has reckless love for me. It's my joy that I get to come and say, even though I'm a broken, messed up vessel, he still loves me, and I get to talk about him today. And my hope isn't in my ability to say words on a stage. My hope is in Jesus Christ. And love finds joy in hope. The joy that we have in this hope is that you get so excited about the fact what Christ has done for you that it just pours out of you. You're excited about the fact you are joyful. You are full of life because Christ has done something for you. You're not grumpy. You're not angry. You're not yelling at people. You're not throwing Bibles, hitting people in the head. You're loving like no one's ever seen before because of the hope that you have in Christ. Now, I can share this with you and be honest. I teeter back and forth. I'm kind of emo that way. Like, I'm like so full of Jesus juice. I'm like, this is the best thing ever. Like, we're going to take over the world. And I'm so excited, man. I'm, I, I know I can do this. And I want to change everybody. And then there's times I'm sitting there wallowing in my, in my room, angry, frustrated. Thanks for nothing. God, where are you? You didn't show up. You didn't help me. And I'm moody. I'm assuming I'm not the only one. When I'm joyful over here, 
my life is just electric. And when I'm over here, I'm just kind of pulling dead weight. And so when I'm talking about joyful and hope, the joy of what Christ has done for me is just coming out of me. And maybe you don't quite understand. So let me explain to you something. You were set free. You were a slave. You were dead. God was going to turn his back on you forever. That was the reality of what happened to humanity. And Christ came and flipped the whole script. Not that we have to perform good enough for him to love us. He flipped the script and simply said this, when you call on me as your savior, you're in my family and I just love you just the way you are. There's no way to earn it, work for it, do it. He just loves you. We call that word grace. When I look at grace and say, God, why do you love me? It brings me joyful hope. And when I'm talking about being set free, this is the freedom we're talking about. When you call on Christ as Savior, you are free from death. Now, we are going to die. No one's getting off this rock alive, my friend used to say all the time. But where are you going, man? Like, this is a big, huge thing because my hope, my joy, my death, when I sit in the bed, I've said, this is my new quote, I hope, God, I want to live my life, I call it no regrets, man, no regrets. I don't want to say that I said, I wish I would have been a better dad, I wish I would have taken the vacation, I wish, I wish, I wish. I want to sit there and say, Jesus, man, I tried really hard and I didn't do a good job, but thank you for loving me, I'm going to see you in a couple minutes. That's what I'm hoping my deathbed looks like. No regrets. Joyful in hope. And as a pastor, I've had that opportunity to be there at those moments. And I can simply share with you this. I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey, and you're all welcome to be here no matter where you are. I'm super glad you're here. But here's the reality. I have been at the bedside and done funerals with those who have hope and those who don't. And it's very, very, very different. The things said in the first one and things said in the second one are very, very, very different. When you don't have hope, I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do. And it's sad. My greatest joy is when you have a family celebrating that their past one is going to be for in the kingdom forever. I'm going to see him again. Man, he's up there. I, I guarantee dad's up there right now shooting deer. I'm like, I don't know if there's hunting in heaven, but if there is, I'm in, right? So, like, I don't know, but there's hope. And that is joyful hope and love. It continues on, love endures and prays. In the light of hope, we practice living a life of prayer. Endurance is that you're not giving up. We talked a little bit about that. But have you ever considered that your life of prayer is one of the most important things that you do? Think about this for a second. You have the ability to talk to the God of the universe. Let's say he's sitting up there right now with like marbles in his hand and he's spinning our universes. Just, we're just making a picture here. He holds the universe and the stars in his hands. And he's like, Oh, Jason, you want to talk to me? Like the God of the universe. And somehow in some crazy way that is just, I do not understand. The God of the universe responds and talks with me, little Jason in Slinger, Wisconsin, on a stage in Slinger Middle School. And he talks to me when I'm sitting in the woods. And he talks to me when I'm out on the lake. And he talks to me when I'm driving my car. He talks to me when I'm taking a shower. Best thoughts ever for me coming to shower. Side note, Jason, fact. But I, he's always talking to me, and I get the ability to talk to the God of the universe. Maybe it's because we've heard big, elaborate prayers with big words, and we're scared. Maybe we think God doesn't understand you, and I don't even know what to say to him. 
I, I've been in the circles. Who's going to pray out loud? Everyone just sticks their hands in their pocket, looks to the guy, I'll pray, I'm the pastor, right? You know, like it's my job to pray incorrect. I love it. I have a prayer list in my Bible. It says, remember you get to do this. That's what my prayer list says. Remember you get to do this. So our prayer life, this ability of prayer, the connection with God, what a gift to be able to talk to the God of the universe. And inside of this love, I'm not just helping you with my hands. I've got scabby knees for you. So when I talked about that prayer and praise card, I encourage you to use it. We take prayer requests. Hey, would you pray for something going on? Absolutely. But then there's the praise part, like, hey, will you thank God for me that this just happened? I also love to celebrate. And we get to do this. You get to do this. Because love also requires my hands, requires my heart, and requires me on my knees praying for you. Because I can do things here, but the God of the universe can do a lot more than I can. That's how it works. That's love. Love, as he continues on, shares generously. Love is generous. Love gives without expecting anything back. We have one of our core values, which is radical generosity. We believe in it. This whole church thing is all started on our vision statement, which I will shamelessly plug right now, igniting a movement of radical love that transforms the community and the world. We want to change the world through love. And one of our values that is taken from Scripture is generosity. We believe that love does not withhold for any reason. Love is given out freely to anybody and everybody. We are not using it as manipulation. We're not doing it to try to get something from you. We are trying to just cast love where love is needed, anywhere, any place, any time, both here locally and all throughout the world. Love that is generous blows people away. Why are you so loving? Why are you so giving? Why are you? And they start asking those questions. That's because our world is starving for love. Starving. You are starving to be loved. I am starving to be loved. God made us to be loved. And when we think of generosity, the giving away, the sharing of who we are in words, actions, deeds, resources, time, a listening ear. That's one of the hardest things to think about is that love that's generous can simply be you sitting there listening, having a cup of coffee with someone as they share, and you just love them. Love is not stingy. Christmas is a wonderful time, and one of the, my most favorite movies, of course, of all time is A Christmas Carol. And Ebenezer Scrooge has, has scared me into loving Christmas my entire life. Though I did get a little Scroogey there for a season, that's a different story. But Ebenezer Scrooge, I always remember that picture of they're freezing. And Bob Cratchit's freezing, and he tries to get that one piece of coal. Do you remember that part of the story? Piece of coal, and he yells at him because he's, I'm not going to do that. That's, that's, that, unfortunately, is the picture that the world thinks of Christianity. They, they see us as Ebenezer Scrooge only focus on our own wants and our own needs. But when that's not the truth. When you look at the church universal, look at the church worldwide, it is Christians that are changing the world. You have Compassion International helping and caring for kids all over the world. If you know anything about Compassion or sponsor kids, they're doing wonderful work, doing amazing things in places that you're never going to travel to. You have Samaritan's Purse, 
You have world vision. I could go on and on and on about beautiful things through the name of Christ that they are just pouring out love into the world. That generosity changes lives. So what does this all have together in common? Paul speaks about how we are not individuals, but we're all part of something together. When he's talking about this, he's talking about us. We are supposed to love this way to each other, and we are supposed to love this way into the world. Jesus says to his disciples, this is how that you are, they'll know that you're my disciples, but how you love one another. Love is not an option. If you think love is an option or caring or giving, or maybe you're not there yet, welcome to the journey. You are so, I'm so glad you're here because this could change your life. Wherever you are right now with this idea of love, start with this. God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. That's how much he loved you, that while you were still a sinner, like you hated God and he did it for us. Now from that point forward, man, love is amazing. I just want to replicate that back out, not because I'm good, but because he did it for me. And then that love that I give out to you changes your life. And each life that's changed one by one by one by one by one starts to start a ripple effect. Because we at Mosaic, you're going to hear it all the time, we disciple for the kingdom, not for Mosaic. We're here to change the world, not change a group of people meeting just in this room. It starts here to change the world. I believe so much in this type of love that I've given my life to it. I'm asking you, would you be willing to do the same thing? This type of love that hates evil and loves good is devoted to each other, gives honor, has spiritual passion, is joyful in hope, is enduring, is a praying one, is sharing and giving generously with everything that you have. This will make everyone say, wow, that is a church without wax. That is a sincere church. I want to be a part of something like that. And if you're here, and you've been hearing this, and you're seeing this, you're like, what is with these guys, man? They're, they're really into this love thing. Because I believe in it with my whole heart. Sincere love will change the world. Does your love have wax. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. For service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.